you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Hey, everybody, welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by New Era, DJ and Bucky back together. Buck, how you doing, man? Man, I am good. I am excited. I had an opportunity to watch all those preseason games over the weekend, and, you know, like, it's back. And even though we only got, like, a little tease from the number ones, I think it was great to see some of the rookies that we talked about the entire run-up to the draft have an opportunity to shine, and some of those dudes really stood up and showed out. Yeah, we're going to hit that. You have uh, uh, conversations with three young players on that Cowboys defense. We will roll those interviews a little bit later on in the show. And also going to tease something we have coming up, a little series, a little special episode we've been working on. We'll tell you about that a little bit later on. But do you care if I tell a story at the top of the show here, Buck, before we get going? No, no, go ahead. Tell, Tell the story. What you got? Story time? Story time? A little story time? Yeah, let's do it. All right, here's the deal. So I, I do the uh, Chargers radio games, you know, all through the preseason and the regular season, second year doing that. And uh, during the preseason, obviously, um, if you've watched some of our coverage on NFL Network, you'll see uh, one team's broadcast do the first half, and then they flip over and show the other team broadcast for the second half. So each team has a radio broadcast and a television broadcast for the preseason. So being that it's the first game uh, in Arizona, 
the Chargers did a nice job. John Spanos, who's the, the president of football operations there, uh, a buddy of ours, Buck, we've mm-hmm. known him forever, um, he put together this little dinner. So it's the TV guys, the radio guys, and some of the PR folks with the Chargers. So we're going to go to this nice steakhouse. So uh, all of us are kind of waiting to get on get Ubers to go to the restaurant. So I end up in an Uber. It's me, John Spanos, and Dan Fouts. Okay, Hall of Famer Dan nice. Fouts. So Dan Fouts is – we're in a minivan. I'm in the back seat. It's Dan Fouts and John Spanos in the two middle seats, and you got your driver up front. Turns out this driver is the most talkative Uber driver of all time. Where are you guys from? And we tell them, well, whereabouts? And, oh, you know, I've lived here, and then, I, you know, I got a place that costs X amount of money. And he just, he just was going on. Then he started going on and on about Phoenix. He loves Phoenix. You know, this, mm-hmm. this is where you can find this, 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 and this. And so I said – how are the sports? How are the sports in town? Oh, yeah, we've got everything. You know, you got the baseball team here, the football team here, blah, 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 blah. So Dan Fouts goes, uh, well, how are the Cardinals going to do this year? He goes, well, I'm not a big baseball guy. Not a big baseball guy. <laughs> so I don't think he was quite, quite as big of a football fan as he was leading on to belief. So, we, so no, it gets better. It gets better. So John Spanos uh, goes, uh, you know, well, who's your favorite football team? Oh, I love the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, why do you, you know, Fouts, why do you, why do you love the Cowboys? He goes, oh, you know, Roger Staubach and um, Tony Dorsett, all these guys, just rattle them all off. All right. He goes, well, how, I go, well, how do you, uh, uh, how do you think the Cowboys are going to do this year? And he goes, well, you know, the running back's holding out. And uh, I think that's hard. You know, he's a great player. And, they, you know, if he doesn't play this year, I, I don't know how good they're going to do. So I'm in the back seat and I go, I'll tell you what, that, uh, that running back, that's a big deal. You know, I think running backs are a little undervalued. All this talk about them being overvalued, I think they're undervalued. In fact, to me, the quarterback position, those guys, way overrated. I mean, everybody talks about them. You know, they've all got egos. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And as soon as I said that, Dan, Dan Fouts goes, yeah, no kidding. And uh, <laughs> this guy in the front seat has no idea. He's got a Hall of Fame quarterback sitting right behind him. It was so good. So we pull into the steakhouse. We pull into the steakhouse. Uh, they both exit. I have to climb up from the back, you know, so I, I, I'm getting out. And I just lean forward to the guy, and I go, hey, just so you know, you just gave Hall of Famer Dan Fouts a ride. And then right as I'm saying that, he, t- he goes, really? And I just shut the door. <laughs> That's funny. How good is that, huh? Oh, that's, that's uh, anyway, so yeah. that was my that was my that was my story time uh, from last week. Uh, all right, what about uh, what about this Antonio Brown thing, man? Before we get into uh, our preseason takeaways, what's your takeaway on that? Well, I think I think one, um, I said this. Uh, I think I might need to apologize to the Pittsburgh fans uh, a little bit about the takes that we had when when it was coming out all the drama that was coming out of Pittsburgh. Um, even though this doesn't necessarily absolve Ben Roethlisberger from his part in it. I think what we're seeing is, man, number 84. It sure makes him look better. Man, number 84 was a lot to deal with. And the fact that um, Mike Tomlin and the organization was able to keep, like, his behavior and the stuff under wraps for so long and the team was able to continue to thrive, man, speaks volumes about them. Because, DJ, I I just don't know how you can thrive with this kind of dysfunction coming from arguably your best player on the team. Like, the stuff that we're we're talking about – is a level of ridiculousness that I just can't understand. Like yeah, the, I never heard of it. Look, the, the frostbite is one thing. I can say, like, man, maturity-wise, like professionalism, you probably should know better. you got to take care of your feet. But arguing and debating over a 10-year-old helmet and 
you're going to retire because you can't have your favorite helmet and the technology is dated and outdated. And I'm speaking from a place of like just at the high school when we're issuing out helmets, there's a stamp that tells you when the helmet cycles out. His helmet is cycling yeah. out. It is not safe for him to be on the field in that helmet. And so I just can't understand why he's making such a big deal out of this helmet thing when, look, the concussion settlements and the litigation and all this stuff that comes along with it, the league can't relent off of this point. I'm with you. And, and I just think about, you know, a young football team. And this is, you know, when you're, when you're team building, and you are going to have a nucleus of young players, lots of draft picks. You're going to have more draft picks next year. This team's going to be made up of young guys. Buck, I, I think there's there's got to be a focus when you're bringing in veterans that you bring in the guys that are going to be able to guide these young players, not have young players having to carry the old guys, which is what it looks like right now with this whole Antonio Brown situation. It looks crazy. That's what it looks like right now. It looks absolutely crazy that um, – He's not being able to do it. But I do worry about the young players and how um, he will impact it. And I think some of the things, our Michael Silver uh, issued out, sent out a tweet storm with a bunch of different things that came from it. Uh, his behavior in meetings, um, his lack of focus, his uh, desire to be on the phone or the iPad at all times and not paying attention to what the coaches are saying, uh, looking at bank accounts and liking IG pictures and all those things. It's just not the kind of stuff that you really would like your best player to do because it sets um, a standard of behavior for the other guys. And so I just don't know, in spite of how hard he may work on the field and the practice habits and all that other stuff, uh, I just worry about him taking the rest of the team in the wrong direction. And look, at some point, the Raiders are going to have to deal with this. They're going to have to deal with him. They're going to have to set him straight because you cannot have him operating as a solo or an independent contractor and the rest of the team operating as a group. Yeah, I mean, I just think ideally on a great team, um, if you could have your – in each position group – we've talked about this before, but each position group room, if your best player in each of those rooms is also your best leader, man, you've got something. But you're, you're the Raiders. Like, he is the – I mean, look, he's the dude. He's the one of the top receivers of the NFL. But that's the guy, when you've got the young players in the room, that's the guy everybody's looking to. Um, so, to me, that's going to be a challenge going forward. It is going to be a challenge going forward. And it's one thing they, they have to get corrected. And so they have to get him – up to snuff. And I don't know who in that locker room can talk to him. I don't know if Derek Carr can be the guy to pull him to the side. I don't know if, if it's Levante is perfect. I don't know who is going to be the voice of reason in that locker room when it comes to A.B. Because, as you know, if he's already showing these problems now, uh, it's only, the problem's only going to get bigger and bigger down the line. And so John Gruden tried to do a great job of supporting him and kind of playing nice and kind of taking bullets for him. But at some point, Gruden is going to have to have a tough conversation with A.B. and let him know either you're in or you're out. Um, because I just can't see how this works any other way. Yeah, all right. Well, we'll see uh, what happens with this whole thing going forward. Uh, let's get to some of these preseason one uh, notes. Had a chance uh, to be there for Kyler Murray's debut. Buck, you should have seen it, man. Coming out of the tunnel, um, me and uh, Money went on the field before the game, and there was a lot. I'd never seen so many photographers for a, a preseason game. They were lined up there waiting for Kyler Murray to come running out of the tunnel. So there was a lot of hype and a lot of uh, attention uh, there on him. In terms of what we saw during the game, 
I don't know what you can take away from this. I mean, he was the ball jumps out of his hand. That that's evident. We knew that. Um, everything was underneath and quick. You know, Chargers playing off a little bit, just taking what was there. Uh, took a sack when he had some pressure. You know, they had Derwin James down there kind of spying on him a little bit. So those zone reads it made the decision a little bit easier for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, Go ahead and give that thing. I'm not going to keep that. Um, but, Buck, they're playing with a tight end. They're huddling up. They're taking their time. I mean, this is not anything close to the offense we're going to see when the regular season starts. No, it's not. I'm sure they're being very, very coy. I will say that I did come out, um, man, starting in your own end, backed up at the two-yard line and started driving. They threw a quick out right out the gate. I was like, wow, you're talking about a lot of confidence in the young fella. Don't don't necessarily ease him into the mix. And then you're right, a lot of quick rhythm throws uh, where he was comfortable. They threw some screens in there to get the ball into the hands of the running back. But – you know, when you go back and you look at Oklahoma's offense, Oklahoma's offense featured a lot of those kind of things. I will be excited to see how Cliff Kingsbury kind of expands that offense and what he does to allow Murray to be comfortable when the bullets start flying for real. But for a debut, I thought it was pretty solid. He didn't mess it up, which is exactly what you want to see if you're an executive. Yeah, once the season starts, they're going to be in 10 personnel. I mean, one back, four wide. And if you want a fantasy tip, here's a fantasy tip. Go buy all the Christian Kirk stock you can. He is the one that was made to play in this system. He is the one who is going to go off. So to me, uh, uh, go get your Christian Kirk uh, stock going. All right, Daniel Jones from the Giants. What would you see, Buck? Man, I liked it. I liked it right away. You know, like, DJ, and here's the thing, and here's the thing that uh, you want to tell people uh, on the outside. Uh, when, you're, when you're a scout and you do the evaluation prior to the draft, like all of those things are cool. You make your opinions, you, you, you stick to it, you argue for your guy, you support your guy. But once guys are drafted, you have to back up a little off of what you said during the pre-draft process and try and look at the prospect for what he may be for that team and why they took him. And we've talked about why the New York Giants picked Daniel Jones over others at the position, how he may be the perfect personality fit, how the link uh, with him and Cutcliffe and David Morris and Eli Manning, like it may be a good mentor relationship for him in the building. But we also said, like, look, man, this dude has some talent. He can run around and make plays. And we saw some of that on display at the Senior Bowl. And I think what we saw in the game was Daniel Jones kind of showing people, hey, I'm a good player. I can make plays. Like, even though it was scripted and Pat Sherman did a great job of attacking the defense in the first week of the preseason, I thought there were some good takeaways. I thought you could feel better about what the plan might be if you're a New York Giants fan because Daniel Jones was very, very impressive slinging the ball. Yeah, and to me, I wrote down after watching the tape, three things stood out to me. Number one, on time. He was on time with everything. Number two, clean. Not only did he have a clean pocket, but his feet were clean. Everything was just real clean. And number three was accurate. So on time, clean, and accurate. Those are my three takeaways uh, watching Daniel Jones in that game. Yeah. I mean, he, he got it out. And that, and that was a really good job. Like, I think the big thing, because everyone's like, oh, he's doing it against the backups or whatever. Like, when we get to the next guy, we'll see the difference. Like, you have to give people credit for performing against whoever they performed against and offensive coordinators for setting those guys up for success. Because when I looked at Dwayne Haskins, even though he was, look, 8 for 14, 117, he had two interceptions. I will say, Kyler Murray and Dwayne jo- Daniel Jones, they were set up for success. I felt like there was a script that was allowed to get them into the flow of the offense without a lot of high degree of difficulty throws. Dwayne Haskins, I feel like Jay Gruden and those guys are just calling the game and they expect the rookie to catch up. Um, 
Look, the interception that he threw on the wheel route, uh, underthrown, uh, some of those things that he, he couldn't do. The second interception that he threw to Greedy Williams, I don't really know why he was pushing the ball down the field. But I didn't see yep. a lot of easy, let's get you feeling good, let's get you into a rhythm throws in that offense. And I just wonder if Jay Gruden is like, hey, here's our playbook. Good luck. We're going to do what we do. And we're not going to change to make you feel very, very comfortable in our offense. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're making these points on Haskins because I, I, you, I watched it the first time and you just kind of seen it as it's happening and live. And you're like, oh, OK, man, not a great not a great start for Dwayne Haskins. When I went back and went through it, Buck, and really watched it, I left encouraged, man, because I saw him. Uh, first of all, the first throw he makes, it's a it's a boot. You see him on oh, the move. Yeah. It's a nice throw down mm-hmm. the field. Beautiful throw. Um, then uh, you saw a whole shot down the field. The, the degree Cover of difficulty. Two. That was the best throw any, yes. any rookie any rookie quarterback made. The, by far, that was the best throw any rookie quarterback made this week. That whole shot. Boom. Um, I'll get to the two interceptions in a second. Showed the ability to escape on one play. Um, I had a zone read where he pulled the ball and moved around a little bit so I thought some of those movement things we wanted to see man I thought okay he's making some strides in this area I liked what I saw there so I've got some big time throws I've got some movement now let's get to the to the interceptions the first one on the wheel uh the let's give a lot of credit to to Mac Wilson on this because he comes underneath the rub and normally when you get a linebacker that comes underneath on the rub route on, on that wheel big play. he's yeah. gonna have to get his eyes on on the running back because he's trying to play catch up right He's able to get underneath it and still get his eyes back to the quarterback to make the play. I mean, it was a it was an underthrown ball. You hit it, but that was a heck of a play by a linebacker. Great play by Mac Find Wilson. the quarterback. That was phenomenal. Now the the second one, he one hundred percent forced that ball up the seam. But when you watch it, there's late movement by the safeties, and I don't know if the tight end thought that they were rotating to a too high look, but all the the safeties just replaced each other. It was almost like a robber coverage. Mm-hmm. So they start with single high, and all of a sudden you see at the snap you see the down safety go back. So I don't know if he saw the other safety move because you know the rules on the, on the verticals. He bends it. He tries to wrap around it while. In a single high look, he's got to throw him up the seam. So I yes. think that was almost a miscommunication between Haskins and that tight end. Now there was a lot of traffic there. Probably yeah, a lot, traffic, ball, a lot of traffic. But I don't yeah. know that that was. I don't know if that was all on him in terms of what the tight end was doing, who was bending right into the safety. That didn't make any sense to me. No, it didn't make any sense. And look, I, I did come away encouraged with Dwayne Haskins, and I think the danger of box score scouting would be to make a take like uh, Dwayne Haskins didn't play good, he wasn't ready, or whatever. I thought. He showed more athleticism than he has shown at any time at Ohio State. He kept the ball on his own read. He escaped the pocket and slid and got a first down. He moved around a little better than I thought uh, in terms of how I viewed him at Ohio State. So there's some positives that they can eventually build on that. But uh, I do wonder if Jay Gruden and those guys would kind of tailor the offense down a little bit to help him. To help, yeah. You know, just give him some things. that Script some winners. Yeah, some some easy, just some, some winners to kind of get him in the rhythm to kind of help him get going. So, look, we talk about Haskins. The guy that I really wanted to tune in and, and watch was Drew Locke. So I, I had a chance to watch the Seahawks game. And I'm going to say this. He was 17 for 28, had 180 yards, had a touchdown and an interception. That interception was a late throwaway. They're trying to uh, come back down the stretch, like 30 seconds left. He throws an interception that ends the game. Uh, I will say he brought them back. This was a team that was kind of sputtering, um, made some plays. Um, I, I like the arm talent. I like the way he, he fits it in. And when he knows exactly 
how his progression is, where he's going. Look, the guy makes some impressive throws. It is still learning how to manage the game, learning how to make those good decisions. But based on how he started in the Hall of Fame game to how he started in week one, I think he's making strides. I don't believe he's ever going to challenge Joe Flacco uh, early in the season for the job, but I do believe if he sits behind Joe Flacco for a year, I think the Denver Broncos have the right quarterback for the system that they're currently employing. Yeah, I'd be interested to follow that trend line with him as we go through the preseason from where he started uh, to where he ends up. But I'm with you. I think that's Joe Flacco's job, and he can be uh, pretty comfortable there uh, at this point in time. All right, some defensive players to highlight here real quick. Brian Burns, Mac Wilson. We touched on Mac Wilson, the, the plays he made in that game. Uh, outstanding. Brian Burns, though, a couple sacks here for the uh, for the Panthers week one. Well, the one thing that I'm learning, and I'm learning this from watching everybody, man, players are who they are on tape. Brian Burns got two sacks exactly the same way as he got all of his sacks at Florida <laughs> State. Uh, one, he just ran around the corner and uh, just out quick, the guy around the edge gets a nice little sack. It was a tight end, yeah. I mean, the second one was just an effort thing. It's the same move that he made at Florida State. He gets up the field, he kind of pauses, the guy kind of breaks contain a little bit, and he takes off, tracks him down, and gets the sack. That is what he did. So, yep. look, players don't necessarily change. It's our ability to like view them where they are and where they could go and which team would be the right fit. It continues to bear out. Hey, no doubt. And, and uh, Devin Bush with the 10 tackles for the Steelers. Man, if you looked at the need for a football team and the draft pick, the fit, um, I don't know there's a better one. I mean, this was a glaring weakness on this team. Unfortunately, ever since Ryan Shazier had that terrible accident, if you look at where they are with Devin Bush, man, his speed, Buck, when you watch the tape, it's like, okay, that's that's what it's supposed to look like. That is exactly what it's supposed to look like. He plays hard, man. He is an urgent athlete. I mean, we call him an ASAP player. He gets there as soon as possible. He makes big plays, 10 tackles in his first preseason game. You saw everything. And I think the thing that was surprising, but even impressive, they didn't really blitz him. They didn't really utilize him fully the way Michigan did. They just kind of had him sit in the middle. He just kind of made plays sideline to sideline. I can only imagine what it's going to look like when they begin to incorporate him into the pass rush as that blitzer because I felt like he might have been the best second-level blitzer in the draft. I'm looking to see yeah. if the Pittsburgh Steelers take advantage of those skills. Uh, I think they will, uh, no doubt. And then a couple guys for the 49ers in uh, Jalen Hurd as well as Debo Samuel, some fun players to watch. Fun players to wait. To, to watch. Um, Jalen Hurd uh, was one of my favorites, and I like the creativity that Kyle Shanahan uh, has in mind for him. He just played wide receiver, but you know there's other stuff that he wants to get to. Uh, the touchdown, the first touchdown where he catches a crossing route on a bootleg, breaks, breaks a tackle going into the end zone. It is exactly what you want to see. Big body, physical player, versatility is everything. Debo Samuel, I think Debo Samuel right now is their number one receiver. Uh, they put him out there, they threw a shot to him down the field on a stutter go move. And it was just like watching the senior bowl all over. He stutters and the separation <laughs> that he created. Oh, um, it's enormous. I mean, stop, start, boom, separation makes a great play where he takes it off the guy's helmet. Um, then he runs a reverse, uh, makes some moves. Uh, these two guys are difference makers. And I know it's hard to count on rookies to come in and be big time players, but man, they have added some juice to this offense with Jalen Hurd and Debo Samuels. I think both of those guys are going to be key contributors for the Niners going forward. Uh, I want to go back before we move on, because we were talking about like how the film doesn't lie, like how you like guys in, in college or how guys play on tape doesn't change. Uh, Mac Wilson for the Cleveland Browns. You talked about the play that he made, the yeah. unbelievable pick six, three tackles, two interceptions. You know, DJ, the funny thing is at Alabama, 
That's what he did. He made a ton of plays on the ball yep. in terms of interceptions, probably had the best hands of any linebacker. Uh, whatever happened in the run-up to the draft that caused him to slide into the fifth round, uh, character concerns and all of those things on the field, Mac Wilson is the impressive player that we saw at Alabama, the impressive player that we talked about in the fall, potentially being a first-round pick. Um, the Cleveland Browns may have gotten another steal by taking a chance on a guy that may have kind of like a character risk by his tag, by his card. But on the field, really, really good football player, and I think he showed up right away in that debut. Yeah, I'm looking at some of my notes here. Inside linebacker, change of direction, fluid, covers tight ends. Uh, just been a little bit inconsistent and stuck on some blocks. Now, I thought I really punished him, you know, based off some of the concerns that people had. Um, I, he was in my top 50 for a good chunk. Yep. He ended up being my 101st player, right? 101. He was the 155th pick. Yep. Uh, I mean, he took on some serious water in the spring. Uh, but we saw that ability. That's You're right. I mean, that showed up. Yeah, the ability showed up, his, his ability to make plays and those things. And so, uh, look, I mean, it's only one preseason game, but it was very, very impressive watching him run around and make plays and make the same kind of plays that he made at Bama. All right, let's go through a couple of these divisions here, NFC and AFC North division. Uh, just kind of rip through. Uh, we'll go NFC North and AFC North. Kind of a, maybe a storyline we're keeping an eye on. And then once we get to the end of, uh, of that discussion, we'll each get, say who we like to win the division at this point in time. It's early. Uh, we've got time to change. But let's, uh, let's rip through these. You ready? Yep, let's do it. All right, Chicago Bears, 12-4 and four team last year. Uh, what are you looking forward to? To me, I mean, I, I keep sticking with this rookie theme right here. Uh, when you look at what they did at the running back position, Buck, is it safe to say that they upgraded? Because when I watch the preseason, man, I so, can't help but think they upgraded. It's so funny because you stole my headline because it's all about David Montgomery, man. David Montgomery, <laughs> David Montgomery, I knew he was a good player at Iowa State. But, man, when you watch him in Chicago in that offense, I was like, man, he's a pro. He is an unbelievable playmaker. Uh, the way they get him the ball as a runner, catching the ball out the backfield, the moves that he made, the slippery. Uh, he's so slippery and elusive in the hole, but he also has some pop to finish his runs. I like him a lot, and I think Matt Nagy is going to have a lot of fun for him. I'll go on record and say, and I know Jordan Howard has gone to a pro bowl or two. This guy's clearly an upgrade over Jordan Howard to me when I look at their offense. Yeah, I'm going back through my draft notes, Buck. Visions, patience, make you miss in a hallway, stop, start, uh, quickness. He was my 43rd guy. He was a 73rd pick. How the heck did he – was he there with the 73rd pick with what he put <laughs> you on know, tape? DJ, I think, I think it's, I think it's the, the amount of carries that he had, the volume of carries that he had at Iowa State, and then I think maybe the speed thing. But when you watched him play, to me, he, he looked like a pro running back on tape at Iowa State. Like he did all the things that the good pro running backs, the guys who played for a long time in the league, he does that. He wasn't flashy or anything, but he was steady and consistent. And so – um, there's something to be said for that. We can go in like the, the, the shiny sports car, but I just know if you have a Toyota yeah. Camry or Honda Accord, you know that you can get 200,000 miles. Get you ready to go. And, and, and that's it. And to me, he is the Honda Accord of the draft at the running back position. He's safe. He's dependable. He's quality. He's going to be a long-lasting running back for the Bears. All right, we get to the next team here, the Minnesota Vikings. I'll, I'll stay, you know, kind of with that whole theme of the running back position with, with Dalvin Cook and the offensive line with Garrett Bradbury mixed in there. Uh, I think they're going to be better up front on the offensive line, Buck, and if they can get him rolling, get Dalvin Cook rolling, I think that's going to really alleviate a lot of that pressure on the quarterback there in Kirk Cousins. Absolutely, and I like the way that they've changed their style. They were in 21 personnel a lot in that, that first preseason game. Two backs, one tight end, 
two wide receivers out wide. I believe if they live in that formation, they're going to win a lot of games. And because they're really doing the Gary Kubiak system where they are really running the, the zone, the inside-outside zone, then coming back on the backside with the bootleg game, uh, they're going to give people problems. And I think they're going to continue to give people problems when it comes to playing that style. And I believe Kirk Cousins was so comfortable in that system. Uh, I think it's going to really do wonders for their offense. All right, let's get to the uh, the Green Bay Packers. To me, I'm looking on the defensive side of the ball. Um, how do these new additions play? When you look at the rookies there with Rashawn Gary, uh, Darnell Savage, Savage, and then you look at the big ticket items, you go get a Zadarius Smith um, and Preston Smith. What are these new pieces on defense? How quickly do they come together? And under Mike Pettin, can this emerge as one of the better units in the league? Yeah, you know, look, there's, there's a lot of, I mean, high hopes high hopes, a lot of optimism around the Green Bay Packers defense, and rightfully so, because they have upgraded the unit. And while I think that defense is going to be better, I was really impressed. I don't know if people realize this. Elkton Jenkins started at left guard for the Green Bay Packers. He is competing with Lane Taylor uh, to get the start nod. They are really trying to make that line more athletic to fit what Matt LaFleur wants to do based on his time with the Rams and with the Falcons and what he did a little bit in Tennessee. Man, if they can get that that running game going where they're running the zone stuff and they can get Aaron Jones, one of their young running backs, to step up, I kind of like what they could do because Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers has been asked to do the stretch bootleg system enough. He did it years ago for Mike McCarthy. They used to have these big home run plays with Jordy Nelson. They kind of went away from that. If they can get back to that part of it, that's really when the Green Bay Packers offense was special and dynamic. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And this is a team that... I don't know. People people say they're sleeping on them. I, I don't know. You don't hear a lot about them inside that division and, and inside the NFC. But you get the, the quarterback rolling, and, and now you've got all these new pieces on defense. It's a dangerous football team. Uh, how about the Lions? You know, I want to see what Matt Patricia wants to do. I, I don't like what I'm hearing coming out of Detroit when they talked about wanting to be the Detroit Patriots and all that other stuff. I think is really disrespectful to the past of the Lions and their story tradition because they've had really good players. The franchise has existed for a long time. I just think it's disrespectful to play the, the Patriots theme music after scores and all that other stuff. Uh, on the field, I don't know who they are. I don't know what they're hanging their hat on. You got a franchise quarterback in Matthew Stafford, but you want to be a little more blue collar in terms of the way that you run the football. I just don't know if the personnel mats what the vision of the team is. And so how long can he sit um, with that vision without it matching his personnel? That's going to be the challenge for Matt Patricia to face. When does he get off of it and take the team for what it is and find a way to win games based on what they have and how they may have to play with the personnel? Yeah, I I do like what I'm hearing on T.J. Hawkinson, the young rookie tight end, who's uh, who's kind of emerging as their their weapon in the passing game, which is all gravy, uh, based off what he gives you in the run game. All right, who do you like? Uh, who do you like winning this division, Buck? It's tough. I'm gonna go back to back. I'm, I think the Bears can win it again. I think Matt Nagy. I know they kind of took the league by storm last, and they won with with plenty of pace. Uh, the Vikings are gonna be right there, but I mean, I just kind of like what the Bears are doing. A lot of it falls on Chuck Pagano and what they do with that defense. But right now, I'm going to say, look, I'm going to go with the winner again. Yeah, I look, it's a very good football team. I'm going to lean towards the Vikings. And I think they get that offensive line rolling. They get their run game rolling. I think their defense, man, there are so many different playmakers at all levels of the defense. And I think uh, I love Chuck Pagano, but I think there is at least an adjustment period there leaving uh, with Vic Fangio leaving. So 
Uh, I'll say the Vikings end up squeaking out this division, but I definitely think we have at least two playoff teams, maybe even potentially three playoff teams in this division uh, if the Packers get their act together. All right, AFC North, Baltimore Ravens won the division last year. What are you, what are you looking at? I'm looking to see if the triple option is going to happen. I believe, the, look, John, <laughs> John Harbaugh talked about revolutionizing football, revolutionizing the way things are done. Uh, there's a part of me that does believe that he is really trying to run the Baltimore Ravens like a, a, a power five football team with the quarterback having all those quarterbacks look the same running the kind of offense that they're running where it's a lot of like option and reads and rpos he brought a ton of college bright college minds into the thing joe moorhead came through paul johnson who is the architect of the triple option uh will hill who's the office coordinator at tulane who also runs triple option stuff they're gonna throw a lot of defenses and i just wonder how it's going to look Lamar Jackson, in talking to someone in the organization, look, everyone believes in him. They are all in on him being the Pied Piper. I just can't wait to see how it plays out uh, once we get to about midway in the season. Yeah, I'm anxious to watch it as well. But uh, to me, Mark Ingram leads the NFL in rushing. That's my hot take there. Oh, I, uh, I, I can see it happen. I can see it happening because year. all eyes are going to be on number eight. So when he hands it, uh, he may hit some goalposts uh, butt naked because everyone's going to be looking for Lamar Jackson to pull. And so uh, we saw, look, we saw Gus Edwards have a tremendous success uh, with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. So I would expect a, a really good running back like Mark Ingram to also have a tremendous amount of success running the ball. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers. Look, man, addition by subtraction. Look, I mean, we talked about Antonio Brown and what was going on and then Le'Veon Bell not being available. This may be a better overall quote-unquote team than they were before because they play together. The chemistry, the rapport. We saw some guys step up in the preseason. James Washington made some plays. Uh, They've always been able to kind of find a way to develop wide receivers. Now, it's going to be tougher now because they're dealing with the tragedy of Daryl Drake passing away surprisingly over the weekend. Uh, You hope that uh, his family is able to handle it. You hope that the Steelers family family is able to observe it but if they can get kind of back on track and overcome that adversity I expect the Steelers to to be right there in the end yeah you know look addition by subtraction maybe that's just cold um but I, you know it's hard to argue with some of those distractions you, I mean it's it's obvious a lot of those distractions have left uh, this Pittsburgh Steelers team with all the stuff the questions and all the issues they've had over the last couple of years they can focus on football. Um, so, you know, I think this this Steelers team is, is a very real threat to win this division. All right, the team that everybody's talking about, the Cleveland Browns. You know, the Cleveland Browns, as much as everyone wants to talk about their offense, I believe their defense is where they're going to uh, butter their bread. Like, I, I think Steve Wilkes is an upgrade over Greg Williams as a defensive coordinator. Um, he's not as... He's not as I can't, exotic with his pressure, but he is just as aggressive with how they do it. I just think it's a more sound scheme. And the pieces that he has to play with, Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon, um, we talk about Denzel Ward being in the backfield, uh, then adding Greedy Williams, who I think is going to play better because the peer pressure is going to make him kind of be a guy that comes up and hits. I just think this is going to be a better defense. I think this defense is going to be lights out. And that offense, we saw Baker Mayfield come and light it up in the preseason. When you have Oda Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry, and then you get Kareem Hunt that's going to join the season midseason, a lot of weapons that you have to deal with when you're facing the Browns. And if Freddie Kitchens can just keep the locker room in order, the Browns are going to win 10-plus games. All right, I'm going to give you a couple names here, Buck. Greg Robinson, Eric Cush, Chris Ooh. Hubbard. Ooh, offensive line. You confident there? I mean, you confident I'm, there? I mean, I'm not confident, but I'm confident that the quarterback can get the ball out. <laughs> yeah, that, that to me is going to be the, the storyline of this team. If the offensive line plays well, 
they're going to win a ton of football games because there's just too much talent everywhere else, and the defense is going to be really good uh, with all the players they have, especially up in that front seven to get after you. So uh, to me, it all comes down to those guys. How about the Bengals? You know, with the Bengals, it's tough, man, because they're starting behind the eight ball. So many injuries are affecting what they can put on the field. We saw the O-line injuries, Jonah Williams not being available and able to do things. And so it's just one of those situations where Zach Taylor is going to have to be creative. I do like Joe Mixon. I think Joe Mixon is a stud. Uh, whenever they get A.J. Greenback, they have that and Tyler Boyd. But it's just going to be really, really difficult because they can't control the line of scrimmage. I just don't know how you're going to be able to win in a rugged division like the AFC North. Yeah, all right. Let's uh, let's pick a winner here. I'm not going to add on to the Bengals. I don't know that I have anything to add there. Who wins this division? Man, this is tough because, like, uh, I want to say the Browns, but somehow I just think the Steelers find a way to sneak the division. I think they just kind of walk away with it because they know how to do it. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, the Browns are going to be right there. I just can't wait to see because the three teams at the top, the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Browns, all play a physical style. It's going to be the last man standing. I'm going to go with the, the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. So we're on, we're on the same page. Now we'll see how this all comes together. But, you know, when the biggest question mark with the Steelers is how are they going to place, replace a wide receiver? And we all know what Kevin Colbert's been able to do in scouting and, and the coaching staff's been able to do developing wide receivers. Um, to me, I, I'm not worried about it. When you look at the, the pieces they have in place there, we saw Washington already make plays. I think Moncrief is going to have a good year for him. He's still got Juju. I think they're going to be just fine. Yeah, I think they're going to continue to roll on. I think this is going to be a better overall product. The chemistry, the continuity. Mike Tomlin also. Like, I think sometimes as a coach and as a player, sometimes you need to have that wake-up call. I think last year was that wake-up call for him. And for a guy who has been one of the more successful coaches in the league, the fact that he's more focused, like laser light focused on building this team, I think the Steelers are definitely going to be a force to deal with. All right, let's, uh, let's switch gears here. Getting over to America's team, as their fans still refer to them. The Dallas mm-hmm. Cowboys, you had a chance to get out to their camp, Buck, and uh, you had a chance to visit with Xavier Woods, Jeff Heath, Chidobe Awuzie, three members uh, of a very talented secondary. Uh, so we're going to roll your conversations with those three, and then coming out of that, I want to get your thoughts on what you saw up there in Oxnard. Okay, Here we go. Here's your conversation uh, with these three talented DBs for the Dallas Cowboys. A lot of time, no pressure, deep to the middle, the ball's broken up, it is intercepted. It is intercepted by Xavier Woods on a contested ball, and the Cowboys find a different way to turn him back. I'm excited to be joined by Xavier Woods. How's everything going? How's camp? It's been, it's been going good. Uh, you know, it's just a grind, steady grind. This is steady, steady grind. Yeah, it is always a grind. But the one thing that stands out to me when I watch the Cowboys playing game action, you guys play with so much effort mm-hmm. and energy. Where does that come from? Starts with Marinelli. He's a leader. He's our, uh, you know, our DC. But the energy that he brings in the meeting room, the energy that he wants us to have, and the effort that he wants us to exert, uh, it shows out there on the field. Yeah, like that standard that you guys have on the field when it comes to just running to the ball is really impressive. Another guy that's really impressive, and I've seen his impact on the defense, has been Chris Richard. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about what Chris Richard has done to kind of impact the secondary and the entire defense. Uh, well, coming in, he brought him on the Seattle defense to cover three. Um, and we flying to the ball, man. It's an effort-based defense that flies to the ball. We know what we have to do. We know our coverage. We know our techniques. And uh, we just lock in and uh, we just do our jobs, basically. You know, in, in, in looking at that room, the secondary, the one thing – you guys kind of have a common thread. Young, hungry, play with a lot of passion. Uh, what is the bond like in that secondary room? How do you challenge each other to play at a high level? Uh, I mean, us being young, I feel like that's the blessing. Uh, no one has, no one's big name 
no one has all these, um, I would say, no one accoladed, um, except for Byron, and he just got there last year. We're all hungry. We all want to be the best. We're all pushing each other to be the best. We know we can be. Um, we started this together. And, I mean, the goal is to end this together, but we know it's a business. Uh, but, you know, we want to push each other. You know, and, and, and thinking about the way the game is played, it's obviously a pass-first league. Uh, the rules go against all the mm-hmm. secondary guys. Definitely. You can't really hit guys over the middle. You can't put your hands on the past five yards. What's the challenge of playing good secondary play in a league that is really built for the offense? It's doing our job, doing what we coach to do. Um, I mean, Chris Shaw is one of the best coaches in the league. And, uh, he's coached us um, the right way, how to do things the right way, how to hit the right way, how to cover the right way. Uh, and that's, I mean, we got there on Sundays. We just, just do what we talk to do, and we'll be okay. You know, one of the things I know coaches always talk about, before you can get into the playoffs, you need to own your division. So mm-hmm. you guys play in a tough division. You got talented mm-hmm. playmakers all over. When you prepare for those NFC East games, what is your mindset like? To dominate. Uh, I mean, this defense, I speak for this defense and this team, uh, we want to dominate. Uh, we know it's going to be hard. I mean, this division is tough, really tough. We know it's going to be a grind. We know it's going to be hard. Each, uh, even the weakest link of the, of the division, we know it's going to be a tough team, no, tough time. Uh, and so we know that coming in. We know we got um, the division games early. We know we had to lock in early uh, to secure those wins. So I want to go all the way back. I want to go all the way back to when you were in high school. And I want you to think about the best guy that you ever saw play or that you played against. Tell me about it. Mm. The best I ever saw play uh, in high school. High school, anybody. It could be a mixtape. It could be anything, whether you played against them or whatever. But the best high school player that you ever saw on tape? Um, I'll say Trey Quinn. Ooh. Trey Quinn was the best. Uh, People don't remember Trey Quinn was a five-star wide receiver. Plays at wide receiver. He was, the, risk he was the leading um, receiver in uh, high school uh, for yards. Uh, we ended up playing him twice. I ended up playing him twice in high school, uh, in the playoffs, matter of fact. They beat us. How'd you hold up? How'd you hold up against them? We beat them my junior year, and uh, they beat us our sophomore, my senior year. Man, that is a surprise. I don't know if many of our listeners would know that Trey Quinn was a dominant player in high school. Man. Hey, but look, thanks so much for spending time with the Move to Six podcast. Best of luck going forward, Xavier. Appreciate it. Thank you. Excited to have Jeff Heath join us at Cowboys Camp. How's everything going? How's camp going for you? It's going good, man. We've uh, been out here a couple weeks, so settled in. You know, the grind has uh, began, and, um, you know, I think we uh, responded the right way, getting a lot better as a team, um, just growing a lot. You know, one thing that stands out to me whenever I watch you guys play, man, you guys play with so much effort and energy. Who, who sets that standard for the way that you guys play on the field? Yeah, I mean, well, it starts with uh, Coach Garrett, our head coach, and, um and really trickles down to the whole staff and the leaders on the team. And, uh, you know, especially speaking for uh, the defense, um, you know, if you follow Coach Marinelli's career, all uh, all the defenses he's coached has played that way. Um, you know, we have a certain standard on the defensive side of the ball when it comes to effort and hitting and uh, takeaways, all that stuff. So it's just something that you build in camp. And, um, you know, you're never, you never have it because it's tough to do, but, you know, we're working that way. You know, it's funny, you bring that in. You talk about Rob Marinelli, and everyone knows the standard that he brings uh, to the table. But then Chris Richard joins yeah. the team last year, and the success that he had had in Seattle, what has he brought, what has he added to this defense? Yeah, man, he's added so much. You know, uh, the knowledge that he has, um, especially when it comes to defensive back play, um, you know, really just – just a wealth of knowledge and especially with this, a young D, db group that we have uh we really learn a lot from them when, it, in, when in terms of you know uh on the field stuff technique stuff and then you know attitude and 
uh, you know, how you carry yourself on the field and really just the energy he brings, the, the attitude, the toughness, everything, we just, um, he's great for us. Look, it looks like a perfect fit because I see the guy running wind sprints with you guys. I right. see the effort and attitude. I've seen some of the pregame stuff that he does. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's interesting to watch you guys because you have that young, hungry defensive back room. What is the common denominator? What is the bond that kind of links you guys? Because it seems like your bond goes and extends beyond what, what I see on the field. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we all have uh, we all have the same goals in mind. Um, you know, for one, we love being around each other. And I think Coach Garrett's done a great job of bringing guys in that kind of, you know, fit into the team culture. And, um, you know, they're good guys. They work their butts off. Um, and really, when you put groups like that together and then we grind out here on the field, that's what makes bonds. You know, the, the work that you put in together uh, in the off season, during training camp, and then, you know, in those tough games during the season. So, uh, you know, it's something that, um, you know, we've re we're really trying to build a, a special group uh, in the DB room. And, um, you know, I really like the way we're going right now. You know, I also like the way that you guys are playing. And so you got a very competitive NFC East. Yeah. Uh, what is the mindset and the mentality when you face those division rivals? Yeah, I mean, they're uh, obviously they're familiar opponents when we play them. Um, they know what we're going to do. We know what they're going to do. So then it really comes down to, you know, who's going to execute better. Um, they're always going to be tight games. Uh, so, you know, who's going to, you know, Coach Richard's got a saying, do right and do right longer. And that's really what it comes down to. Just do your job consistently throughout the game. Don't worry about the scoreboard. And uh, But if you do that, most of the time at the end of the game, you're going to be on the right side of the, of the scoreboard. So you guys have, have been into the postseason. You, you made a little bit of a run. What, what are the goals? What is the goal for the defense coming up this year? Uh, you know, I think the goal for the defense is just improve. Um, you know, we... We uh, we think we had a good year last year, but uh, no no two teams are the same. We got to start all over from square one. Uh, you know, Coach Marinelli says all the time we got to learn to put our socks back on, and uh, you know that's what we're out here doing. But um, you know, it's just to uphold our standard whenever we're on the field, whether it's the way we run, the way we hit, the way we take the ball away, just giving our uh, our offense the ball, giving our team the best chance to win. So now I'm I'm, I'm gonna end it this way. I know it's been a while since you played high school ball, but I want you to go back and I want you to think. And I want you to think about all the players that you may have either seen on tape or played against. Who is the best high school player that you've ever seen on tape? Whew. Best high school player I've ever seen on tape? Either seen, played against, best high school player that, that well, just right. comes to mind. I'll go two. So the best player I've ever seen, the best high school highlight tape I've ever seen is Tavon Austin, actually, <laughs> if you look that up. The best player I played against in high school is probably uh, – Edwin Baker, he played uh, running back for Oak Park up in Michigan. They played at Michigan State. He played in the league a little remember, bit. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, he was just a man amongst boys in high school, man. <laughs> He's a big dude, big, fast guy. So um, that's probably the best. That Tavon Austin high school tape yeah, is ridiculous because I've seen it. Yeah, unbelievable. it's unbelievable. Hey, thanks for spending a little time with the Moose yeah. 6 podcast. Best of luck to you this season. Thanks, bro. I'm excited to be joined by Chidobi Awuzie. How you doing? Chilling. Feeling good. Feeling lovely. You know, I, I really love watching you guys play, and I think – it's amazing that you guys are able to play together at a time where it's really challenging to play corner in the league. Mm. Um, talk a little bit about the challenge of playing corner in a league that really makes it very, very difficult for DBs to put their hands on wide receivers. Oh, yeah. I mean, college, you know, it's easy. You know, you just you could you could bustle them up the whole way down the route, all that type of stuff. But, you know, now in the league, you know, that's why it was a blessing for Coach Rashard to come. You know, he's given us a technique where we can still be physical. You know, there's still ways to play physical in this game. But... Um, if your technique's not right or if your form's not right, 
you're going to get caught for a lot of, you know, penalties or you're going to get up top, you know, fade balls, all that type of stuff. So um, I think I was just blessed with this opportunity on this team to really learn how to still be physical, you know, still use my attributes and also play, you know, aggressive. Well, I got, I got to kind of talk about everybody has goals for the season. From a personal standpoint, what are some of the things that you would like uh, to achieve to make it a really solid season for yourself? Well, I mean, individual goals, everybody, I mean, it's cliche, but, you know, it's always about the team goals for me. And uh, I think mainly, you know, just doing my job. Um, you know, as a DB, you know, we don't want to give up any big plays. We don't want to give up the fades, you know, the seams, the posts, and we want to be able to take the ball away. So, you know, I ain't going to say no specific number, but obviously no, I, want, I, want, I want to get a certain amount of picks, certain amount of fumbles. You know, I want to make my tackles when they present themselves. And then I, if, if a ball is thrown up, I want it to be my ball. So um, that's basically my goal in the general aspect. I get it. Yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah. So, look, so, so one of the fun things that we do on the podcast is we've been asking guys, who is the best player that you've seen in high school? So if you dig back into the little okay. mental bank, yeah, yeah. who's the best high school player that you ever saw or squared off against? Anything. Shoot. My son, no, I'm playing. <laughs> nah, um, honestly, Jared Goff. I didn't get to play him um, in pads, but there was a seven-on-seven -seven tournament in the summer, and I, you know, I was locking everybody up in seven-on-seven -seven and all this stuff, and then we faced him. And it's just like this ball. It was like it was like the first <laughs> ball I seen that actually hung in the air, like on a college NFL level type throw. And I was just like, "What's going on?" And it just went right over my head. And I was like, "Yo, that dude's special." So I think definitely, uh, probably him. My seven on seven junior year, going into my senior year, he was he was a monster. Jared Goff, Jared yeah. Goff being a special player. Were yeah. you are on your way to being a very special player in the pros? Mm. Thanks so much for joining the podcast. Oh yeah, of course, it's love. Oh, Buck, I, I loved I love listening to those guys. Uh, when you uh, when you hear them tell the story of the best high school player that they've ever seen, mm. I, I want to give a little bit of a tease to the folks because we've got an episode coming up where we have asked a whole host of people this question that have been around football forever, and the names and the stories we've gathered are unbelievable. That was a little taste uh, from some of those players there, but uh, I think people are going to dig it when we put this thing together with this topic. It's fascinating. It is fascinating, man. I, I, I just think there's so many takeaways from from that, like those guys kind of recounting uh, the high school guys that they fa they face and they played against and guys that kind of left those marks on them. It kind of takes you back into your memory bank and you remember like, man, I remember Trey Quinn. I remember Trey Quinn was a big-time player coming out, <laughs> a Louisiana five-star player. And then I think um, when it comes to personally with the Cowboys, uh, man, the big question that I had for them was just how do they play so hard? When you go and you watch them practice, man, they just get after it. And when you watch them in games, you also see it. And so to hear them talk about the standard that Rod Marinelli created, uh, what Chris Richard has brought, um, it, it's just really a testament to just kind of how they have it going in the right direction. But more importantly, how they now, as a scouting staff, are going and getting those guys who kind of have the uh, – you we've heard Chris Peterson talk about OKG, our kind of guys. When they talk about yeah. getting the guys that have the DNA that kind of fits the locker room, that was the biggest thing that I, that, that I took away from the conversation with those three guys. I love it. And, and while you were there, I want to transition a little bit, talking about these running backs and the uh, situations with Ezekiel Elliott as well as Melvin Gordon. But any, any buzz around there about Zeke? You know, like they just kind of feel like Zeke is going to come in when it's time. That they, They're not overly concerned about it and that Jerry's eventually going to pay him, but he just wants to make sure that all those guys kind of come in at the right number. So I don't think there's any panic. I don't think – I didn't sense that there was any kind of like cloud hanging over camp. Um, I think for Jerry, uh, just, just coming away, I just feel like, look, man, he's a businessman. He's always kind of dealt business like this. He doesn't have like – 
the the the, the butterflies in the stomach that come with negotiations. He just kind of understands, hey, this is what it is. It's kind of the fun part of negotiating. And at some point, when it's time, they'll get the deal done. Yeah, I, I mean, do you have any doubt? I have no doubt that they will get this deal done. I know some people look at, ah, well, you know, he's still got a couple years left on his deal. Uh, Melvin, you know, Gordon's situation, you know, shouldn't he be in the front of the line there because he's only got one year left on his deal? And uh, look, these situations are unique. They're different. I think that Zeke has the leverage in this situation more so than Melvin Gordon for the following reasons. Number one, You've got an organization that's dependent on you. I think more of the offense runs through him, and the success of the team is more dependent on him. Um, and, and Melvin Gordon's a phenomenal player, but that's still a quarterback-driven team with with quality depth at the position, and they've got a bunch of weapons in the passing game. So I think it's different from that standpoint. I also think it's different from the standpoint of the Chargers historically have have kind of held their ground. You you know they're gonna they're gonna put a value on a player, and they're not gonna really move off that. Whereas the Cowboys, at least reputation-wise, it's that uh, Jerry Jones, you know, he's he he's gonna cave. He's he's gonna give in, and he's not gonna you know watch his star running back missed games so for all those different reasons I think that the leverage is with Ezekiel Elliott while it's not necessarily with Melvin Gordon yeah and I I do think the difference is what you talk about like playing style like the Dallas Cowboys run their offense through their running back whereas the LA Chargers run it through Phillip Rivers and so when you're valuing players you value them differently because the Chargers have seen on multiple occasions Phillip Rivers has elevated a cast of no names and put them in contention in terms of being a playoff team. We've seen them take guys off the street at wide receiver and elevate them. And they've done it with a number of running backs. Look, LT was a Hall of Famer, but look, Ryan Matthews and other guys have kind of tried it through there and they've still been successful because it still runs through 17. With the Dallas Cowboys, everyone realizes 21 is really what makes it go. This running game, uh, the way that he runs, the physicality, the toughness, the way that he eats up clock, the protects not only the offense, but the defense. It's just a different kind of negotiation, which is why I think Ezekiel Elliott is going to get his money while I believe Melvin Gordon is going to be left on the sideline. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, maybe they all can come to agreement and uh, and work this thing out on, on both sides. Uh, we've got some time here before the first week of the season. We are in agreement on this, I'm sure, though. Uh, running back carries in the preseason, uh, you don't, they don't need to carry the ball. Do no, they? no, not, not, not the guys that you want to have during the regular season? No, I don't need to see many carries at all. <laughs> no, LT was telling us a story this last week about uh, – you know, Marty Schottenheimer one year wanted LT to play about a quarter just so he'd get tackled a couple times so he could get used to feeling that and not have to do that for the first time in a regular season game. So LT said, all right, so I trot out there. First carry, takes it 60 to the house. And Marty Schottenheimer looked at him and said, never mind, you're good. Just go. <laughs> I don't need to put you out there anymore. I think, was, I think it was the last time he played the preseason. That was it. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. I love it, though. So I. Yeah, I don't need to see backs in the preseason. Just put them on ice and get them ready to go. That is hilarious. I am all about that. That's funny. <laughs> all right, that's uh, that's going to do it for us today, Buck. Uh, the folks can download Move the Six podcast, Apple Podcast, your favorite podcast app. We've got our position prototype series. Uh, that is out there, nfl.com slash MTS prototype. You can find it there. Uh, all of our videos, nfl.com slash MTS video, uh, youtube.com slash NFL. We've also got the uh, YouTube, uh, the podcast channel on YouTube. Hytham might have to jump in there uh, to tell us what that address is, where you can find the uh, the NFL podcast. That's uh, youtube.com slash NFL podcast. <laughs> Very creative name there. Okay. YouTube.com slash NFL podcast. NFL podcast. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. YouTube.com slash NFL podcast. I can remember that. 
Anything else you got before we get out of here, Buck? No, I see you proudly sporting your App State Nike shirt over there. Can't wait. Yeah, I went to that. I went to that event that that uh, that deal in Nashville where all the different colleges were there, and my guy from App State brought me a whole bag of gear. Oh, a whole bag, all kinds of stuff, huh? So, yeah. so excited. About oh yeah, that. you had North Carolina folks there too. North Carolina guys in their recruiting department were there, getting ready to uh, to get rolling here. Man, what, what do we figure out what we're doing for this game yet? Not App yet. State not yet. We're just trying. We're just trying. To, we're just trying to focus on having a great practice today. That's what we're trying to do. It. Well, trying to go one or no. What does your to, wristband say, by the way? What is your? Oh man. So we we'll talk about this. So this is from a man, Seth. Man, I'm, I'm gonna mess Seth's name up. Let me, let me look up Seth's name. So Seth is a chess okay, master. You gotta look it up. Don't screw up. Bucky's wearing a very thick uh, uh, bracelet here with some wor- some letters on it. I can't make it out what it is. So um, Seth is a chess master who is who is. Uh, all right, so it's Seth. What are you Googling? Seth, Seth, chess no, no. master? Is that no, what chess so master? Is no, it? it's Seth Mikowski. I just want to say his last name correctly. I didn't want to mess it up. So okay, Seth okay. Mikowski is a chess master. He's been a long-time chess master. But what he has done is he has started to work with the mental performance of athletes. And one of the first guys that he worked with was Deshaun Watson. Uh, Quincy Avery, who's a friend of mine, we worked together on the Elite 11 tour. They kind of linked up. And Deshaun Watson and Dwayne Haskins started working with Seth on – just kind of how to quiet the mind when it comes to playing the game using chess as a vehicle. Well, when I went to Elite 11 this year in Dallas, Seth and I linked up and I kind of watched him uh, work his magic with some of the quarterbacks and the guy who was MVP, CJ Stroud, just took to the game of chess. I had never been a chess player. And so it was my first exposure to, to, to playing the game. And so he showed me some tricks, showed me how to play, and he showed me how to think. So the wristband that I have, it says threats and attacks and as you're thinking about anything when you're playing a game and he related it to football he said the thing that you always have to think about like before each play what are the threats and how can we attack on the chessboard it's the same thing so people talk about thinking several moves ahead is the ability to look at the chessboard see where i'm at where the threats and how can i attack it so i can always keep pressure on the opponent so I took that and he says look book just make everything as simple as that and so when I was coaching at the elite 11 thing I was coaching the defense I was in charge of the defense and my team won and we played one defense the entire time we played one coverage and in part of doing that is because when you play one thing you know how everyone is always going to attack you and so it gives you the ability mm-hmm. to just spend your time working on, here's how they may threaten us, here's how we're going to attack them back. And so that's where it sprung from. And so I've taken that and tried to use it as I go into coaching at the high school. Let's just keep everything simple. It doesn't have to be all this trickery. It doesn't have to be all this tomfoolery. Let's just line up, know exactly what we're doing. Teams are going to attack us like this and go forward. And one of the players that he's worked with in college that we'll talk about in the draft maybe this year Darnay Holmes, the cornerback from UCLA, has become oh, UCLA. Yeah. one of his prize pupils. And he has taken to the game of chess, and it has really helped him elevate his game. And so in talking to Chip Kelly and those guys, it's just Seth is just a wonder. So I'm, I'm all about Seth. All right. Well, I need my I need my bracelet next time I get. In the <laughs> I took it from him. I took it right off his wrist. I took it right off his wrist. I was like, Seth, Did I need really? that. Yeah, he gave it to me. He's a great dude. Yeah. He lives in the area. And so um, I've talked about him coming through and talking about it much like we've talked about, like how teams build teams. He kind of understands like how to build up the players that can be at their best when their best is required. 
I love it. Well, we'll get him in the studio for the pod. Uh, absolutely. All right, Buck. Great to see you, man. Uh, it's fun talking ball. We got more preseason action coming. We'll keep an eye on all these players, specifically these rookie players in college football. Uh, we're going to jump into that water here uh, shortly as the college season is just around the corner. That's going to do it for us today. Thanks for listening to Move the Sticks, presented by New Era. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to NFL.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.